Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. I'm Christine, your host. We are so glad you are here and our hope is that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We have Pastor Willie Soans, Senior Pastor of Community of Hope Church, Mumbai, share today's message on six powerful outcomes of true repentance. Well, it's great to see you this Sunday and this morning I have a message that has been on my heart for a long, long time. And it's something that God has put in my heart and I really want to share this with you, you know. And it's a message on repentance. It's a message, what kind of repentance is God looking for? What kind of repentance is needed on the earth today? What is God saying today? Amen. Where repentance is concerned. How do we understand what repentance is? Now we know the Greek words and we know, the, uh, we know the, what the understanding is. But is repentance really a part of our lifestyle and an ongoing relationship not only with Jesus but with the body and as we wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus? Amen. Is, it, is, is this the way God really wants to um, meet with us and repentance was some of the foundational was one of the I would say one of the foundational uh, teachings of the early church and I wanted us to look at it you see after Jesus rose from the dead a lot of things changed very quickly and he gave them the gospel the gospel to preach the gospel contained the virgin birth the gospel contained the crucifixion the gospel contained the resurrection and the gospel contained his coming back again these four ingredients were mixed with the gospel to such an extent the gospel of hope the gospel the good news of salvation where man uh, is not saved by works but by faith in God and that Jesus came to restore man that all that he lost in the garden of Eden Jesus restored that and so this apostolic gospel the apostles started to preach this gospel and this gospel carried the power of God signs wonders and miracles are not by men let me say this it is by the preaching of the gospel amen where the gospel is preached signs will follow that's what the Bible teaches and uh, uh, Paul at that time was was also there you remember Paul Paul you know he he we find that he preached on the crucifixion a lot. He preached on the resurrection. And most of his uh, epistles that he wrote is, uh, is, you know, his revelation about all that. And he says in 1 Corinthians 15, I'll just read that to you. Uh, just briefly, I'll just speak it to you. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, he says. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and so you know you find that in the apostolic messages all the time the death the burial the resurrection the coming back the virgin birth the death the burial the resurrection and the coming back you find all these ingredients out there and you 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 must know that paul uh and jesus actually never ever met but he got it by revelation. He says, I want you to know, he talks in Galatians, brothers, that the gospel I preached is something that, that is not man-made. It's something that I didn't make up. It is, it, I received it from God and I received it in revelation. And you find that in uh, Galatians 11, 12, verse 20, he says this, I assure you before God that what I'm writing to you is not a lie. I know that. 
And so we see it in his life. We see, you know, Jesus and Paul never met once. The only time Paul met Jesus was on the Damascus road when he fell off his horse and he saw Jesus. And, you know, we don't know what uh, what he saw, but it was very clear, the whole conversation and where Jesus gives him a mandate and he becomes the Apostle Paul. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. So, the early church was very strong on repentance. And uh, Peter also, you know, began to preach this, this, you know, the early apostles. Peter, one of them, started to preach this repentance. We know from the Old Testament that David committed, uh, you know, adultery, committed murder. And, uh, but with this huge repentance, we find that in 2 Kings 12 and we find that in uh, Psalm uh, 51. We find all that and we find that when repentance came, God not only forgave David, he put him as the king of Israel. Although he had a lot of problems in his family, but he made him the king of Israel. The promises of God never change. Hallelujah. And forgiveness is always there when repentance is true. I, I'm reminded of another, you know, heathen city, the, the Ninevites. And when, you know, um, at the Ninevites, Jonah was going to, told to go and preach. When they repented, God forgave the entire city. Now these, these are heathen. And God forgives repentance. Amen. When there is true repentance, God did that. In, 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 in Acts chapter 2, when you know 3,000 people were giving their hearts to the Lord, Peter stood up alone and he said these words. He said, repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. Amen. For the remission of sins. And he says this, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But I like what he says further. He says, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all that are far off. That means even to you and me. Amen. Even as many as the Lord God shall call. Repentance was very, very clear in the early church. Very, very clear. And, uh, oh, you know, 1 John, John also writes in 1 John uh, chapter 1 verse 10 he says if we say that we have not sinned we uh, we make him a liar and his word is not in us so if we have sinned we need repentance and today the church you know I believe the church of today one of the things that it really needs is is repentance the clarity of what repentance is repentance is not just feeling sorry and saying okay Lord forgive me I, I, I did a mistake I said some things I did some things and now this week you know I'm going to break bread I pray you forgive me and then I just walk away you know well that is the beginning of repentance but I want to say this to you repentance is a process the most profitable <laughs> the most profitable investment in your life for your future is repentance. The most effective medicine, hallelujah, for love among the members of the church or the family is repentance. The most basic presumption for our children's life going, you know, ongoing lifestyle. Repentance is the key and the foundation. Let me ask you a question as your pastor. Has repentance really spoken to your soul? Have you really, really repented? As you sit there watching me, listening to my words, have you really repented? Did you come to Jesus? 
and give him your heart and soul and life and surrender completely? And did you walk away from that prayer that you prayed and that the evidence of that repentance is a changed life, is changed habits, is changed lifestyle, is changed conversation, is changed uh, relationships, is changed uh, uh, your understanding of God's word and your love for the kingdom of God and uh, your, your heart for the poor and heart for the needy. Has repentance changed that? So I, you know what I did? I went to the early church. I went to the last uh, probably uh, 1400 years. And I looked at some of the leaders there. There was a man called John of Antioch. You may have heard of him, but I want to tell you this. He was, he was there in the 4th century. Amen. Now when I tell you his name, you'll understand. And he was known for his preaching. Man, his preaching. He was also the bishop. Uh-huh. He was the, the bishop of, uh, uh, he was the archbishop, sorry, of Constantinople. The great man, great preacher. And, uh, you know, the, he was known all over for his preaching. In fact, they called him Chrysos, Chrysostom. Amen. That's what they called him, Chrysostom. So he began, began to be known John Chrysostom. Amen. And uh, Chrysostom really means the golden mouth. Amen. So he was a man with the golden mouth, the way he preached. And one of the things he preached, he was very strong on, was repentance. And uh, according to Chrysostom, repentance is a release and a removal of all things that we have done before, either those which were carried out with deeds of those which were conceived in thought. Now, he, he's very clear about it. And three things he said. He said this, you know, as a, as a great father and as a preacher of repentance. This is what he said. Three things. Number one, it contained the contrition of heart. Number two, it contained oral confession to God or to those that you trust, and also to God. Number three, it contained the correction of your following lifestyle. Now, this was John Chrysostom. I mean, he 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 was very clear about that. The the you know. Then I went to some others, and let me give you the opinions of these holy men. Uh, they call them the holy fathers about you know about repentance, the wisdom of the fathers. You know, there there was a there was a guy called Hesychius. Hesychios was, uh, you know, was a, he, was a, he was an amazing preacher, amazing man of God. And, and uh, one day he was sitting down and one of the young uh, leaders came and asked him, he says, Hesychios, you know, you look very tired. He says, sure, I'm looking tired. I've got much work to do every day. Let me quote his words. I have two hawks to tame, two hares or rabbits to train. One dragon to take care of. One lion with which I fight daily, every day. And a patient to look after. So this young man listening to him was very surprised. He says, what do you mean? Hesychios, what do you mean? He said, I'll tell you what it means. The two hawks are my two eyes which I must take care of. So that I won't see anything which will harm me. These are his words. The two hares or the two rabbits are my legs and I must control them so that they won't lead me into sin. The two eagles are my hands. 
I must work them to earn my living. Not only that, careful what I do with them. And he said, the dragon, the dragon is my tongue. I have to keep that under control. He says, the lion is my heart, which I always struggle for feelings, attitudes. That lion, I fight with it every day. And he says, the patient, the patient is my body because I have to take care of it. I have to take clean it. I have to keep it sanctified because inside this body dwells my soul and my spirit. And that is the tabernacle of God, which I need to keep clean. Now, these men really understood. There was another man called Gregory Palalmas. Gregory Palalmas, 14th century. And I went into history and I looked at him. He said, you know, he was saying, he was a very prominent guy. He was Greek, Byzantine. And, uh, you know, he was also the archbishop later on of Thessaloniki. You know, and uh, he famous for his defense of, of praying. And he always said, when you pray, pray alone. Get into the secret place. And that's where I took those words from. The secret of prayer is praying in the secret place. That was from uh, Gregory Palalmas. And I, I just want to encourage you. This is what he said. The confession of our sins is the beginning for the cultivation of our soul. The beginning of repentance is the beginning of our preparation to receive the saving seed of salvation. Amen. Of the divine word that comes. He said the plowing of the land by the farmers is so similar. That is what repentance does in the mind and the spirit and the heart. It takes away the wild roots from the depth of the earth and makes the land appropriate and makes it ready to accept the seeds of the planting of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen. What amazing stuff. And he says, since the earth after Adam's fall brings out thorns and useless weeds, so does our heart. And it doesn't stop creating thoughts and painful passions of vice along with the sins which come from them. That's why we need the plowing of the soul every day. Wow. There were other men. Marcos the hermit. Abba Moises. Nicolaus Cavasilas. And all these men, great men. Just quoting one or two sentences. When one reaches the depth of sin, he detests and defies God's mercy. And when he has realized the multitude of his evil deeds, the only one incurable wound in his soul can be cured by repentance. Amen. Then another person said, Did you sin today? If you have defiled your soul, do not lose hope. Do not neglect it, but regenerate your soul with repentance and confession. You should never stop this. Amen. Let me read one more. Repentance is the cure for our trespasses. The obliteration of all lawlessness. Our favor in God's eyes. The weapon against the devil. The refutation of despair. And the key which opens the gates of heaven. And Nicholas said this. Because we sin every day. We need to repent every day. Amen. It's amazing. It's amazing. Repentance. So today I just want to share with you six powerful outcomes of repentance. Bear with me. I'm going to read a passage. 
And uh, this passage is very important. I need to read this. And when I read this from the King James, I, uh, I, I know that God will speak to you and let God speak to you. Let's take the time. It doesn't matter. Time doesn't matter. We're all under, you know, under whatever you call it, lockdown or whatever. And we have a lot of time. But time is important today where I believe uh, what we say is key to where we will be when Jesus comes. Hallelujah. Amen. Luke chapter 7. Verse 36 onwards. If you have your Bible, you can uh, open it or you can read it on the screen. Amen. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 onwards. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house, that's Jesus, and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in that city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which bidden him saw it, he spake with himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is, and this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Remember, he was a Pharisee. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say to thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. One owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love them, love him most? And Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and he said unto Simon, He said, Seest thou this woman? This is an important sentence. Seest thou, seest thou this woman? Okay, keep that in mind. I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she had washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil, thou is not anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Now comes the punchline. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he turned unto her, and he said, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat uh, with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the women, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Amen. What a beautiful uh, uh, happening there. And uh, you see, we must understand that the early church and, you know, the early times, there was a lot of hospitality. 
and hospitality was very important we find that in genesis 18 remember when uh, the, the three you know angels were coming and uh, abraham from far was sitting on the in, in his tent in the in the in, at, at mamre and he saw these angels approaching he didn't know at that time they were angels but he saw them approaching and he ran towards them he bowed down and he says come to my house eat you know the hospitality was very important you don't wonder the bible says you know if you're hospitable you might be able to entertain angels so pay attention to that so the culture of the bible is very important when we understand biblical culture we can interpret the word you know in a, in a greater in a better way and uh, uh, jesus would dine with pharisees and publicans remember that it's it's not that you know he remained exclusive you know in luke chapter 5 in mark chapter 2 in matthew chapter 9 and at one time you know in in luke chapter 9 he's walking and he sees this little guy climb the tree to see him he stops and he says zacchaeus come down he said i'm going to have lunch with you at your home this this afternoon i mean you know he just he just invited himself you know jesus loved the sinners and you know where the sinners were you'll always find jesus there hallelujah not so today you know the church is not really doing that and we really need to do that amen we are we are so we are so involved with our own you know now that that particular pharisee whose name was simon was not as hostile as the leaders in jerusalem he was not like the sanhedrin you know not all are, you know, we, we can't just put a stamp on everybody and it's but i don't think he had any sinister motive but because he was a pharisee it was good to have a famous rabbi come to your house and eat and it was like you know wow you see i fed a rabbi today and it was also considered virtuous in the law to invite a great teacher amen and so he invited jesus and jesus didn't put down that invitation he went to this pharisee's house and uh, and the bible says they were reclining they were not sitting they were reclining now reclining is you know the, we have these uh, these long little benches which, which which sort of come up and you rest one elbow maybe the left side and with the right you eat there's a table in between and there are these recliners and so they're rich people so they they used to have recliners and it's uh, it's it's uh, you know it's a banquet the banquet has recliners ordinary lunch you know had uh, pillows and they had a low table and people sat cross legged to eat so it was different it was different you got to understand the culture and uh, uh, what they had was you know staple food one of the staple foods were were bread or roti or you know or like something like tandoori roti and uh, you know was uh, the staple food there was fish at that time and you know all kinds of stuff that was made there you know it was basically one huge huge plate you know just like the middle eastern how they eat and everybody dipped around and talked and ate and you know there was a lot of milk goat's milk camel's milk amen and um olives were there there was olive butter olive oil and uh, you know it was quite a good banquet at that time and uh, but there's something here you got to understand because he was a rich man he had a kind of a courtyard in front uh, a courtyard usually had fountains and you know good plants and everything growing out there and and they ate this courtyard it was probably summer time and the wind was good 
and uh, you know it was nice and cool outside and so inviting the rabbi and inviting Jesus and a few of his guests you know reclining at the table was something that was very very important but this this courtyard or we, we call it in Hindi this this angan you know it, it was a huge angan and at this angan this, the main gate was usually opened at this time and people from outside were uh, were welcome to stand there and listen to the words of wisdom that uh, Jesus was speaking they were they were welcome they, they just stood around and they heard all this you see they, it's a different culture hallelujah it was a custom then uh, when a rabbi was such a meal in a house all kinds of people came in amen and they listened to the pearls of wisdom they listened to words they listened to uh, stories they listened to things they they could learn and very especially jesus when he was uh, uh, talking so all the guests were reclining at the tables the people were standing around and then we get this this woman amen this one woman who was standing beside the feet of Jesus so she was probably one that came in and she was a woman now the the, the thing is we we all know uh, that this woman uh, she had long hair she had beautiful hair but the thing is her hair was not covered so uh, respectable women had always their hair covered when they moved in public that was the middle east you, you got to remember and uh, uh, but she was a loose charactered woman we don't know how loose she was but jesus said her sins were many we don't understand that but she was she you know it was like she was everybody noticed her you see everybody knew her she would stand at the corners there you know that the, the cities were not huge like our mumbai city but the thing is everybody recognized her some of those guys probably who were standing around would have been with her so they recognized her and uh, uh that explains you know that she's standing there beside Jesus and here in the i love this i love this because i want to talk about repentance and i want to talk about six outcomes of repentance so when we repent there are six things i want to say please pay attention but before that we're looking at two characters apart from Jesus there are two characters first is the pharisee his name we know is simon man we see in the passage that men may show some respect to christ let me tell you something men may show respect to christ yet remain unconverted untouched un uh, unmoved by his presence are you one of them amen you understand you come to church you're there you listen to the word of god you listen to the worship but in some ways you are untouched you are, are you like the pharisee simon and there are many today who are like the pharisee simon and who just you know they just honored to be and then you invite you know the the man of god to your home and you have a great lunch but but you know you you the word of god never touches you amen but he showed respect to jesus amen he even desired that he would eat with him i mean there was some kind of you know but that was middle eastern uh, uh, i mean that was eastern uh, hospitality and therefore you know simon because he felt no need he had no love you know when people have a need they have love but he had no love he didn't need any forgiveness 
he didn't know and he didn't want to repent though he was remember he was a pharisee uh-huh. simon's impression of himself was that he was good man in the sight of men and in the sight of god are you like that man but on the other hand the woman was overwhelmed with her sin was overwhelmed with the presence of jesus and we see that let me say something if there's one thing that shuts a man off from god let me say that again if there's one thing that shuts a man off from god is what i call self sufficiency amen because the man doesn't feel any pain for what is sin paul spoke of that he said you know uh, um, he spoke of sinners he said of whom i am the foremost francis of assisi if you remember him he said this there is no way a more wretched and more miserable sinner than i i mean these men they understood that they had a limit it's true to say that the greatest sin is that we have no consciousness of sin <laughs> and that's the kind of society we are living in today because they have opinions about themselves the sense of need please listen to me the sense of your need will open the door to your life amen but jesus was not i think jesus was more disturbed with this with this pharisee than with this woman he was not disturbed by this woman he never said anything to her she was standing there she was weeping maybe she was sobbing maybe she was a bit loud you know maybe a lot of men were paying attention to her she was probably beautiful because uh, that's what she did isn't it and uh, his host you know this pharisee saw what was going on and his spirit was getting he was getting angry he said if this man was a prophet if he was true he would know who's touching him now he's a pharisee you can't touch anybody you have to be kosher in all that you do she's a sinner you can't allow sinners to touch you whoa whoa we have a lot of that in our nation and in different cultures but i want to say this to you according to simon's religion pharisee the godly man should keep himself altogether away from those who are wicked you don't mix you don't touch sinners you don't sit with them you don't fellowship with them you don't eat in their utensils man that was what his religion taught him but jesus came for the lost isn't it jesus came for those that were broken are you lost this morning are you broken in any way then i want to tell you this as you stand near his feet he is there for you he doesn't say anything because he receives you come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and i will refresh you i will give you rest 
He says, I will in no wise cast you out if you come to me. So that was where the Pharisee, let's look at the woman. The woman was spoken of as a sinner. Once the, you know, the Pharisee said, he's a sinner. Jesus also said, you know, she had great sins. She was known as a bad woman. But just before something happened to her, she walked inside that courtyard. And when she saw it was Jesus, something happened to her that brought a great change. Maybe she went back and brought this alabaster box. I don't know. Maybe she had it with her. We, we, cannot, uh, we cannot say anything. But somewhere, somehow, her world seemed to have fallen apart. This morning, as you hear this message, is your world fallen apart? Is there something that you know today that is going to all break down? You can't handle it anymore. I want you to know something. Jesus is there. Hallelujah. Somehow she wanted to start a better life. Somehow she wanted a home, a family, a good husband. Somehow she was searching for true love. Are you doing that? I want to say something to you. You find it in Jesus. But there's a process. Jesus said her sins are many. And so to the people around, she, they knew her. But she had followed Jesus. She had in her hand this alabaster box. Something in her mind said, I'm going to do something. Something that would be offensive to all the people around. But to me, it was personal. I want to say something. Six, six manifested steps. For true repentance. Number one. Repentance is a manifested action. That is visible. Both to God and men. Let me say that again. True repentance. Is a manifested action. That is visible both to God and men. It may be offensive to men. But it's acceptable to God. That's true repentance. You know, this is what she did. She fell at her master's feet. That's a complete surrender to God's will. She wept, bathing his feet with tears. That is the action of godly sorrow, which is part of repentance. She dried off her tears with her Long hair. No woman was allowed to lose her hair at that time and place. You know what? She laid her human glory down. The glory of the woman was her hair. But she laid it down completely. And she wiped the feet of Jesus. Then she broke the alabaster box. She broke it. She didn't just open the cover you know, you know, she didn't just take out the cover. She broke it. And when she broke it, it's a sign saying, I'll never use it again. 
This is the only purpose it was made for. And she poured that on Jesus. Listen to me. True repentance costs you everything. True repentance will cost you. It has to have a cost. Then she kissed his feet. Remember? His feet were not washed. It was still dusty. Sand. But she kissed. And then she poured the, anoint, the, uh, the ointment and anointed it. Wow. This is an open show of love. So there are some things she did. Number one, she completely surrenders to his will. She had godly sorrow and she showed it. She lay her human glory down, man, to his feet. It cost her everything, the, the costliest stuff that you, she had. She broke it before his feet. Amen. And there was an open show of love. You know, when I look at all this and I'm, you know, when I think about all this, and people talk about offerings and tithes and all that. Listen to me. This woman gave everything. Hallelujah. This woman gave everything. And until our repentance brings us to a point where there is nothing too expensive to pour at his feet, that is a manifested action that is visible both to God and to men. It was a grateful act. It was an act of a penitent sinner. It was an act of true repentance. Amen. She came to his feet. That speaks of faith. She stood at his feet. That speaks of expectancy. She wept at his feet. Speaks of contrition. She washed his feet. Spoke of sympathy. She wiped his feet, spoke of submission. She kissed his feet, spoke of affection. And she anointed his feet, spoke of the cost that she was willing to bear. You see, let me tell you something. When you come to the feet of Jesus, when you are surrendered to him completely, repentance starts to begin. And it's not over yet. <laughs> it's not over. You don't just, okay, say, okay, Lord, I dust my hands and I'll see you later. No, it's not like that. She was weeping. The second thing I want to say is this. True repentance releases true love. True repentance releases true love. If you really love you will really repent. And listen, if you really repent, you can really love. See, that's how, what happened to my life. I mean, after uh, so many years and, you know, doing such crazy things, the night that I gave my life to Christ, 14th January, 1973, 9.15 at night, I couldn't help. And whenever I read this story, it it it. it I kind of identify with it. I couldn't help but weep and weep and weep and weep. The counselor who was assigned to me didn't, I, I didn't, you know, 
I don't think he got a sentence through to me because I was just weeping. I was I was sobbing loudly. People were noticing this long-haired guy with painted jeans and a painted vest just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. You see, one of the greatest things that called, called me to repentance was that how such a good man, Jesus, such a holy man, such a good man, would lay down his life for a crazy sinner like me. It changed my life. It changed my entire life. And last 47 years, I walked with him. One of the things I can say to you, much love weeps. Hallelujah. Verse 44, look at it. Not only the tears were her regret of the past, but her tears were of deepest gratitude of God and of tender sympathy towards those around that were perishing. She knew that. When did you cry last? When did you weep last? During times of worship. The world needs tears. Worship needs tears. Prayer, intercession needs tears. Much love weeps. Listen to me. Much love washes. <laughs> Amen. Jesus said in verse 44, She washed my feet. Come on. He said, I came to this house, Simon. You, you know, none of your slaves are not, nobody even gave me water to wash my feet. But she washed my feet. True love does not look at the dust and the filth and the muck of life. It goes through all that and washes people clean. If you love somebody, you will wash them. Because love covereth a multitude of sins. Much love stoops. She stooped down, the Bible says. She wiped his feet with her hair. Again, verse 44. She wept, she washed, she stooped down. She put her glory at his feet. There was nothing more that was hers to be proud of. If he has to increase, aha, then I have to decrease. If he needs to be served, then my heart must bow down to this master who loves me so much. Am I saying something? Much love weeps. Much love washes. Much love stoops down. Much love kisses. Amen. She pressed her lips of affection to his feet. Verse 45. Look at it. The feet of the body of Christ. Dusty. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
often neglected feet are often neglected hmm. love seeks to contact the neglected remember that much love anoints hmm. the father anointed his head listen to me the father anointed his head but the forgiven was anointed his feet verse 46 do as i have done unto you is that true jesus stooped down his disciples and he washed their feet and if you are really anointed on your head then you have no trouble washing people's feet much love not only anoints much love follows she followed him into simon's house she saw him she followed him she did not heed the reproach of other men when is a day what are you doing here? love constrained her you know love can change the way you behave in society not only that much love gives you you know sometimes we say lord i love you but we have a problem with giving she brought her box of ointment this was all her treasure this was all that she ever owned probably apart from the garments she had she laid it at his feet not only the ointment but also her herself when you bring an offering to god that's why it's so important when you bring an offering to god you're not just bringing that offering there is it's like lord there's no connection between me and this offering when you're bringing that offering you are bringing yourself look at the scriptures please study that and so true repentance releases true love much love weeps much love washes much love stoops down much love kisses much love anoints much love follows much love gives amen number 3 true repentance has a deeper sense of personal sin very important true repentance has a deeper sense of personal sin she had a deeper sense of her sin than the pharisee remember that and she needed deeper mercy and the only one who could give it to her was jesus himself she wet her fe- his feet with her tears she anointed that ointment with you know his feet with that ointment what a contrast Simon had not even given him water for his feet yet she poured out everything And then Jesus turns around and he says okay You know Simon never spoke that He probably thought that and Jesus said let me tell you let me let let, let me tell you a parable Uh-huh He says I have somewhat to say to you Simon you know there there was a certain creditor that had you know people who owed him money one owed him 500 pence and the other 50 and when they had nothing to pay they came to him and says you know I can't pay he said okay forget it 
I forgive you. Go. And the question was this. This is the parable. Which of them will love him more? Now, the Pharisee got a lot of brains. He said, you know what? The one who owed much. The one who, you know, I suppose to whom he forgave most, he said, thou hast rightly judged. Man. But you know, this is about forgiveness and repentance. This is not about owing money. There is some similarities, but there is also some profoundities. And that profoundity is this. God's forgiveness is astonishing. Hallelujah. It is great enough for the worst sinner. And it wipes out utterly the blackest and the darkest of sins. As the one who has sinned the least. Let me say this to you. The more we realize our sinfulness, the greater our love for Christ when we are forgiven. I tell you that, you know. I, I see this in my own life, you know. I know the depth of sin. I understand that. But I also know the depth of forgiveness. Hallelujah. It is true that the worst of sinners make the best Christians. Well, I choose to believe that. It is true. Who has been forgiven much will love much. Amen. If we understood better how much we owe God's mercy, we would be more earnest in our Christian consecration. You see, this is what somebody said. Therefore, I tell you how many sins have been forgiven, Jesus said. For she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little loves little. Very true. You know what Jesus shows? Jesus showed Simon, look here, Simon, this woman loves me more than you. You respect me. Man, you brought me to your house and you gave me to eat, but you never washed my feet, you never anointed my head, you, 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 know, you, never, you, you never did what hospital, true hospitality is needed. But this woman did everything. She treated me the best. So number four, true repentance brings true comfort and peace. Let me say this to you. The words of Jesus to this penitent woman were full of comfort. He, you know, he told her first that her faith had saved her. Remember he told her? Go in peace. Go in peace, my girl. Because your faith has saved you. That word save in the language that Jesus spoke, probably Aramaic, would have thrilled her inside because she was poor, she was shame-filled, she was sin-ruined, she was, you know, she was spurned by men, she was looked down upon, probably, you know, the most wretched of society by the other women. But the word saved would have changed. Now she's an heir of heaven. Now she's destined to walk the heavenly streets 
in garments of white. Amen. Christ has touched the sinful soul and it was transformed into beauty. Hallelujah. That's what God does that for us. You see, true repentance brings all that. It gives true comfort. It brings out the beauty of the Lord in us. Amen. And let me tell you this. True repentance brings peace and true peace brings forgiveness. Amen. Sometimes, you know, people um, cannot rest. We are living in a society that doesn't know how to rest. Because all the time we, we feel that we should sit in front of a television and, and look from one YouTube to another YouTube to another YouTube to another or just watch one movie to another movie. We can't rest. You know why? Because there's no peace. And sometimes we even forfeit our sleep. You know why? Because peace is a very important... When, when we have peace, He giveth His beloved sleep, the Bible says. Amen. But true repentance brings true peace. Number five. True repentance attracts God on the scene. And I told you to pay attention to one verse. It's chapter 7 verse 44. It says, Do you see this woman? Listen to me. This woman was standing there where the Pharisee would have seen her. But he did not really see her. He did not really see her. That was Simon's fundamental problem. He really never saw that woman. The pharisaical failure was that they saw themselves, not anybody else. And the true cold shoulder given to Jesus was from Simon, not this woman. You know, sometimes, let me say this to you. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. God sees you. He notices your pain. He notices your, your shame. I feel like prophesying and I, I, I just want to say that if you're sitting down there and you're watching me and you feel such a sense of shame for what you've done, even what you did last week, you feel such a sense of failure. You feel such a sense of letting down something. I want you to know that not only the one who forgives you is here, but he takes notice of you. When Jesus said to Simon, do you see this woman? I want to say to you, Jesus sees you, your pain, your shame. And he attracts you to himself. Hallelujah. You know. Let me say where was Simon's failure. Let me, let me just look at the culture. The culture is very important. The host placed his hand, you know, when a guest would come, the host would place his hand on the guest's shoulder and give him the kiss of peace on his cheek. Okay? That was a mark of respect that was never omitted. 
especially in the case of a distinguished rabbi. It was a common form of welcome and kindness in those days. Number two, cool water was poured on the guest's feet because cool water brought refreshing from the hot desert sand outside and the dust of the, the outside was washed out and comfort came. The feet contains most of the nerves where the nerve endings are and when cool water is poured on a hot day, it soothes the body. Number three. A pinch of sweet-smelling incense was burned or a drop of rose oil or olive oil was placed on the guest's head just for refreshing. Just for refreshing. Amen. And these are the kindnesses. This is what good manners demanded. They were not done by Simon. He was the host. But in many ways, she was like the host. She did everything that needed to be done for Jesus. He gave the Lord a cold shoulder. Mm, thinking it was a great favor, he came to his house. But she gave everything. And in the end, he was the one that failed, not her. So, what was the difference in attitude? I'll tell you what. This woman repented and she found true forgiveness. Expressed in a gratefulness to Christ. Simon did not even felt the need. He didn't even feel the need for forgiveness. Amen. And his actions demonstrated that. His life was not touched or changed by the words of Jesus. Simon was focused on that woman's depth of depravity. But Jesus was focused on her magnitude of love and her heart of repentance. God is attracted. Lastly, let me want, I just want to say this lastly. True repentance changes you. From the inside out. You know when you look at a person who has repented. You see change. That's what it means in the Greek. Metanoia. A change of mind. You see it's not just a change of mind. It's not a change of. But it's, it's a change in every aspect of your lifestyle. Show me your repentance. If you're still doing what you were doing. If you're still speaking those same filthy words. If you're still thinking those same filthy thoughts. If you still got those habits that you had before you came to Christ. And over the years if God has not dealt with those things. You explain to me biblically. Then what is repentance? Because repentance is change from the inside out. It changed because she had, you know, she was a person. She was a woman. The woman who once was practicing great lust and satisfied the lust of men was now fallen in love with her master and creator. 
she had been degraded despised and disreputed by her society but god's great love reached out and brought her out amen so number 1 she was a woman number 2 i want to say her passion she loved you see this is what god does when he changes you you become a lover of god you become a lover of worship you become a lover of the church you become a lover of people who are downtrodden you want to go and rescue them you become a lover of the lost because he first loved me i can love him back she spared no expense she made the greatest sacrifice she feared no opposition to demonstrate her love she had no strength but she simply poured everything on his feet and the power she was a woman number 2 she loved number 3 this is one word much much she didn't love with an average love she loved much she didn't give with an average giving she gave much she didn't pour out with an average pouring out she didn't cry with or weep with an average tears but much with all her soul with all her mind with all her heart with all her strength she loved the lord forgiven much she loved much forgiven powerfully she loved powerfully forgiven eternally she loved eternally let me close amen repentance i believe if there was any time or season on this earth in our lives to repent it is this season where god's gates are opened i had a dream and i saw the gates open and the lord said to me tell the people that the gates are still open but one day they're going to close we need to come into repentance i'm speaking with all my heart true repentance is very important many people don't like this word because they want to do their own thing there is no such thing as own thing we are we are saved by the master because we have been blood bought amen true repentance has a manifested action that is visible to both god and men show me true repentance releases true love show the church true repentance has a deeper sense of personal sin show it to god true repentance brings true comfort and true peace let the world see it true repentance attracts god on the scene let the unbelievers stand there and recognize god's presence true repentance changes you from the inside out what we need desperately thanks for listening to this message we hope you were blessed to hear more messages like this make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes if you like what you are hearing consider rating us subscribing and even sharing it with friends 
that would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus finds life.